So I'm a huge believer in the power of the subconscious mind. I'm a huge believer in visualization, but it's not a genie in the bottle. So if you take like the book, The Secret, for example, which gets a lot of criticism at its heart, it's basically telling you that if you believe in what you can do, that's a big step towards success. But the reality is that I can't believe the sun's going to suddenly rise in the West. I can't change physics, right? But what I can do is knowing it's going to rise in the East and knowing I have to get up at a certain time to make things happen, I can do that. You are listening to Wealthy Advisor Mindset Podcast, a show dedicated to helping financial advisors grow their AUM while enjoying a great quality of life by creating a high-performance mindset. Guiding you on this podcast is none other than Nina Cook, a seasoned mindset coach who has worked with hundreds of business owners over the last decade to dissolve all their self-sabotaging behaviors and habits to achieve their business goals so they can have a much bigger impact and make much more money. Throughout the show, we'll deliver actionable strategies to grow your practice more easily and quickly while revealing the incredible possibilities that emerge when you tap into your best self. Ready for a breakthrough that amplifies your impact and profits? Let's dive in. Hello and welcome. Welcome, Dan. It's such a pleasure to have you on. You are my first guest on this brand new podcast to inspire financial advisors on creating an unstoppable mindset. This is a piece that I feel gets overlooked a lot in the financial advisory world. I know you're a big fan of mindset and that's why I invited you on because I want to have a really deep, thorough discussion about mindset, the importance it plays and how financial advice who are listening in can get a lot of value from hearing you talk about it. You and I have known each other. We've been friends for a long time. So I mm-hmm. would love you to introduce yourself to yeah. our audience because you're going to do it in your own inimitable style. Sure. First of all, I want to tell you what an honor is to be the first person. I mean, I, I actually kind of feel bad for whoever the second person might be. But in any you know event, who that is, don't you? <laughs> I do know who that is. I do know who that is. So, okay. So I went to, when I went to college a long time ago, I'm 60 years old now. I went there with the ambition of becoming, believe it or not, a journalist or at least a writer, just a writer. I figured journalism was a way to make a living doing it. And um, by the time I graduated, that was not what I wanted to do. But I had this liberal arts degree, which in the 80s, nobody wanted. Everybody wanted business school graduates. So I only got one job out of college, and it was working for an insurance company, which was going to be for me just a stopgap thing. It was in Chicago where I wanted to live. And I figured, okay, I'll be in a big city and I'll find something. And then 10 years went by and I was still working for that company. Now they were, they were treating me well and I'd gotten married and, and we'd had our son, but I knew that now, listen, I, if I don't do this now, if I don't become an entrepreneur, a business owner, whatever you want to call it now, I was in my early thirties, it's never going to happen. And I'm going to look back with regret. And I, and I did not want that. And so when you talk about mindset, my mindset then was, yes, I can do this because frankly, in my, in my job working for um, an insurance company and then later a broker-dealer, I had met a lot of other financial advisors. And with all due respect to them, they didn't really impress me all that much. I already knew more than what they knew because that was kind of my job was to, to teach them things. And so I felt that what's the worst case scenario? I was in my early 30s. I'll get a job if it doesn't work out. Um, and it was not easy without a doubt, because I'm but contrary to what people think, 
at least when it comes to um, selling, I'm I'm an introvert. I I have a lot of um, like I, I was the worst dater in the world. I was so fearful of rejection. So if my wife didn't chase me, I'd still be single. And <laughs> you know, I would I would meet these friends who were like you know, not nearly as good looking as I was, obviously, and they had no problems, but I I did. So I knew that I needed to in order for me to overcome this. I could certainly pat myself up, but I needed to come up with a um, a way to market that I was comfortable doing, that I felt tapped into my strength. And, and this was now in the early 90s, and that's when I decided, okay, fine, if I'm going to do this, I'll do seminar marketing. So I was independent from day one. I didn't want a boss. I didn't want to work for anybody. I figured whatever, if I had gone to work for a big firm, not only would they have owned the clients, but the payout was so extreme that they were going to keep that I knew I could run my business leaner and be more profitable, plus just be happier because I wouldn't have a boss. And so that's what I did from day one. I had 10 years worth of savings. I blew through every dollar of it. I even took a small business loan, spent every dollar of that. Was probably in about, and remember too, this was in the, this early 90s, so the money's more, but it was probably about $80,000 worth of debt before things got good. When I finally was starting to make money that was far in excess of what I needed, and I could then pay off that debt and and be getting my my net worth. But the one thing that kind of kept me focused was the the, the infamous book or famous book uh, by Michael Gerber called the E Myth, which was all about creating systems for your business. And I took that book to heart. And so everything I did was systematically set up. And as my practice grew. I found that I did not need to have a huge infrastructure and that I could, in essence, continue to have more profit. And, and that's so when I finally my, got my practice up to over 200 million of assets and over 300 clients, and I'm still doing it today with just one full-time assistant. And that's it. It's the only administrative person I have. I knew that I had something that I could share with other advisors. And so that's kind of where it went there. But the when I met you, the one missing thing to the system that we had was mindset. Now, I probably, as you know, have read every single book about mindset. But to me, it's a lot like dieting and exercise. You got to do it regularly. And what I found was that we needed that because while I understood it and could practice it, I'm not sympathetic enough to teach it. You're much nicer than I am. And so I'm going to tell people like, look, of course you can do this. What's wrong with you? Whereas you teach techniques on how to actually do it right. But yeah, listen, if I didn't believe that I could do it, I wouldn't have been successful. And rightly or wrongly, the motivation I had was I knew there were people who had less ability than me. And I know that may sound arrogant, but I really think it more is confidence. If they can do it, I can. And I tell people all the time, look, if I can do this, you can do it. So today, my, my office is in Cincinnati, Ohio. We, we have clients in 20 states. Now, I, I brought my son in a couple of years ago, and he'll ultimately uh, run it. Uh, we have a couple of other businesses that we have in addition to it. Uh, but again, we're able to um, you know, have the lifestyle we want. I, I live mostly in Nashville, Tennessee, which is 300 miles away. So I've been able to build a practice where I don't have to be at the office. Still have an office, but I'm only there maybe half the time and have an apartment in Cincinnati. So uh, Dan Kennedy, I, I said once, you know, if you're a real entrepreneur, you should be able to live anywhere you want. And I was like, why am I living in Ohio? It's cold. And, you know, so um, although I am a Midwesterner at heart, I just don't ever send me to the beach. But Nash Nashville's nice, a lot going on. Winters are milder. And um, 
kind of a destination city. So, so yeah, so that's that's the story. So today, you know, um, we we now market uh, exclusively to to women. That's the the focus of our practice. And then um, and then I work with a lot of attorneys and a lot of advisors, showing them the systems that we've created to help them in in their practice. So there's a couple of different businesses going on. So Wonderful. there's the there's the long there's the long <laughs> to your bio. <laughs> there's your Short bio. Short of telling you the cities I lived in and stuff, which nobody cares about. So. And the schools you went to and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. So nobody cares. This is great. You said that you're an introvert. You don't come across as an introvert. I know, I know. You someone that's very yeah. confident, very confident and comfortable in your own skin. Right, right. But there's a lot. Maybe it's not the introvert, extrovert. It's more the lack of confidence in some areas, which everybody has. Sometimes we mask it, that insecurity. But yes, listen, if you told me that I had to get on the phone and cold call people, never would do it. Never in a million years. I would be so fearful of hearing all that rejection, all that no. And that was why you know, the traditional model was always you got to talk to 10 people to like get one client. And I'm like, I can't get rejected 90% of the time, be told that's good. So I needed something where I could maybe get rejected 50% of the time. That I could handle. And so I just need to find a, a, a way to to do that. But Stephen, still, you you go through all these natural things of um, you know, sometimes you know, the, the imposter syndrome kicks in. Or just you know the lack of uh, motivational confidence, and that's why I say it's like going to the gym. You 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 can be in great shape, but if you don't work to maintain it, it's going to go away, and you're going to be fat. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. There's so much stuff to dig into here. Let's start with financial advices and mindset. Okay, we love this conversation, you and I. So let's just mm-hmm. have it again. What do you think is the biggest difference between? Financial advisors who have their own practice, it does okay. They sort of bumble along. Yeah. Further down the line, they say, well, I'm, I'm 10 years behind where I should be. Mm-hmm. Those financial advisors and the ones who create success, okay, it can take yeah. a little bit of time at the beginning. And then they start soaring. You've talked to me about people like that. I've worked with people like that. What yeah. is the difference between those two financial advisors? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. I used to joke that the reason I found that some of the most successful financial advisors were not the smartest financial advisors was because smart people tend to internalize failure and it becomes a, a disincentive to keep going. You need amnesia. You need to be able to try things and when they don't work out, just move on. You know, don't be afraid. You have to be a risk taker. I mean, we're we're in the risk business. I've always looked at every venture and say to myself, okay, this is expensive, but how many clients do I actually need to get from it in order for it to work? So there isn't a whole lot that I haven't tried and will continue to try. And when I look at some of the successful advisors that I know who are very good friends, that is their attitude. They're like, look, I have tried everything. Most of it's failed, but I never quit. I never, ever stop. And that is really the difference. Whenever I hear that from a successful person talking, particularly like a famous person, that always comes out, is perseverance. You know, they've all had hard times. You know, the the, the amount of, of uber successful people who have filed bankruptcy is super high. And you have to balance it because a lot of the most successful people in terms of financially have the absolutely worst personal lives. You just got to be willing to fail and be willing to say, okay, you know, we'll get over this. We'll get over that. It's this hesitancy to pull the trigger. Now, the other part of it too is the most successful people that I know are great students of the craft. They're not even just necessarily financial services, but they're readers, they're students. 
And so to that end, I think that helps them with their perseverance because they're going to learn something from it. And they also have very realistic attitude about things. They, 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 they know there's no magic pill, but they're certainly not afraid to do what it takes. So if they're weak in a certain area, they're willing to get stronger in that area. And, and so that's what it comes to. And, and to a certain extent, while in theory, everybody should be able to acquire those attributes, not everybody's willing to put in the time to do it. So that's why, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things to indicate success is largely a choice. And the choice is sacrifice. Are you willing to do it? And I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying it's necessarily right to do it. You know, to, to grow any business is going to pull you away from your family. It is going to impair relationships. When you have more money than anyone else in your family, it will impair those relationships. It's just a fact of life. I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. When you're dealing with elderly parents and you've got siblings and you're the, you make more than they do, guess who they're going to look to, to do everything? Going to be on you. So I get that. But if you want it and you're willing to try to work to balance it, go for it. But it really has to be a willingness to fail and to just you know continue. Because like I said, when I was doing it, even though my attitude was I can always get a job, that was probably about the worst thing I could ever think of doing. <laughs> was trying to get a job. I just didn't want to even do it. So that was my motivator never to quit. Because if that I was quit, I go work for some- Oh, yeah, absolutely. If I go, if I quit and I got to work for somebody again, oh, no way. No, no way. That's interesting. So what a lot of people don't have a motivation. They don't have a big yeah. desire. They don't have a big goal. They just do it. They get up, they do their work. And then they say, yeah. okay, I made that much this month. Not great. Try much harder this next month. They don't have a driving factor because things get tough. Times get tough. You know, we have down months, we have up months. Yeah, It's part of life. What would you say to um, the advisors who are listening in about having a big motivator, a big driver that gets them through the hard times, that gives them that, you know, that appetite to get up and keep going. You know, what was, you said your big motivator was not to get a job. Did you have something else? Did you have like a positive driving you as well? I do believe the avoidance of pain is a greater motivator than than the seeking of pleasure. So truthfully, you know, those things were the real motivators. Now, certainly, you know, everybody aspires. I think it's just human nature to have more affluence than maybe what you were used to in those times. But I, I was never really poor. I mean, we middle-class family, but we weren't poor by any stretch. So it wasn't so much that. I just had, you know, when I was young, growing up in a, a troubled household with my parents' marriage and things like that and and, and money, Again, we weren't poor, but they didn't handle money very well. I used to always tell myself when I grew up, I was going to be different. You know, I wasn't going to get divorced. I was going to save money. I was just going to do things differently. And so that just kind of got me through it. I knew I was relatively smart because in school I always did well. And I was, you know, usually put in those groups for the more challenging things. So I just had that natural ambition to want to be better. And I don't know if you're born with it. I, I don't know. I mean, it does get back to, I guess, and I, you know, I hate to use catchphrases, but this is certainly one of them is the, you know, why? Why is this important to you? You know, why is it that that you really want to do that? And and really for me, it was because I just couldn't imagine falling into a corporate life. Now, having said that, I knew that if I did it right, I would get you know, the the affluence that goes with it and the freedom. And so I guess if you're looking for the positive thing, 
What's the one thing you don't have when you work for a big company? Freedom. You know, although it is incredible now, they've given you a lot more. Like, I guess they're given paternity leave in like six months. I mean, in, in the 90s if, or in, and in the 80s, if you ask for paternity leave, you might as well ask to never be promoted again. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and and this mean, is working as well. Oh, I've been at a corporate career for so long that when I hear this stuff, I'm like, are you out of your mind? You're going to give up your job because, listen, I'm forced to. They won't even allow you to log into my computer. I'm like, anyway. So, oh, I know. I know. I, I guess I am a dinosaur. But the truth of the matter is that that, that freedom is great. And while I, I have this, you know, a lot of times people ask me, you know, when do you work? And I said, well, in reality, I work every single day. I said, but where I work does vary, thankfully, because the technological age that we live in today. So, you know, when I was um, when I was not too far from you in Scotland a few months ago, I did a, a ton of work that week because the time zone actually was so darn favorable for me. Uh, between when I was getting done playing golf and then having the 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 afternoon, which was essentially the morning back here, it was a fabulous way to to take vacation. And that's just me. I, I'm not the type of person who needs to check out of reality. I enjoy what I do. I enjoy work. I really don't want to let the fires build up until I get back. Um, it's I don't find it to be high pressure or anything like that. So to be able to, wherever I am, uh, play golf, spend the day in the sunshine, and then spend the evening uh, catching up, I'm good with that. Uh, that And again, that's part of that freedom thing is, man, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind working from six at night till, well, I can't stay up late anymore, but <laughs> six at night to 12 at night. My case is more like I'm working from like three in the afternoon to nine, but um, that that is the, that it would be the, the the real aspect. So the positive would be the freedom, the negative motivation or the avoidance of the pain would be to have to work for somebody, which is the lack of freedom. So maybe that's it. Maybe they are one in the same. Are you frustrated with your inability to take the next steps to grow your practice, and worry that your same old tired strategies don't seem to work any longer? If this is you, then listen up. Nina has spent the last two decades coaching financial advisors and has cracked the code to grow in AUMs, hitting bigger profits in your business and achieving a higher quality of life. You can now get access to those secrets in her game-changing book, Renegade Mindset, a financial advisor's guide to a peak performance mindset. In the book, Nina will share her proven process for success to take you from chasing clients to attracting high-paying ones by creating a success-driven mindset. So, if you're struggling with stagnation, then this could give you the breakthrough you've been searching for. This is different to anything you may have come across before. For being an awesome listener to this podcast, our team would like to gift you a free copy of the book, Renegade Mindset, a financial advisor's guide to a peak performance mindset. You can get your free copy at ninabook.org. You only have to pay for shipping and handling. Once again, the link to get a free copy of this book is ninabook.org. The link is also in the description. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to grow your AUM and stop hustling for your next client. Now, back to the show. Absolutely. Let's dig into the risk part of this. You said that many financial advisors are risk averse and I've had plenty of conversations with- Business owners in general are. I mean, not not just financial advisors. Exactly. And, you know, there's been the worry about taking on another team member. What if, you know, it doesn't go well and I'll have to pay them. Taking on another office, what if, you know, the business doesn't go well and then I'll be stuck with this, you know, the overheads for that. Yeah. It's very easy to not do things. 
It's much yeah. easier to not do things and stay where you are in that lovely comfort zone than it is to stretch. Yeah. But without that stretch, then you're likely going to be staying in the same place because your mind isn't stretching. It's just saying, right. it's not great. It's okay. I can continue like this. My wife or my partner is not crazy about it, but you know, it's okay. We can get by. Sure. How do you, you know, what is your mindset? What's your thinking about taking risks? And how has it scaled your practice? I am a risk taker. And probably there certainly have been instances where I should have done a little bit more due diligence um, with certain opportunities. But I tend to look at what's the downside if this doesn't work. So I'll give you a great example. A few years ago, a friend of mine took his business public. And so he was looking for initial investors. And I saw there there was potentially some synergies with what he was doing in one of the businesses that I had. So I was like, all right. I didn't really think much about it. It was a $50,000 investment. I had $50,000 to, to give him. And I'm like, all right, it's going public. It's a stock. And so I remember buying it at 33 cents a share. And you know, when it opened, it went up to like $2.50. And you know, my wife's like, you know, how was your day? I go, we had a really good day today. But <laughs> because it's a, it's essentially a small stock that's not trade a lot, any sale is going to drive the, the stock price way down. And so today it's like it's six cents. Now, without a doubt, we've lost money there. But one of the things that sticks with me is, is something that somebody very wise once said, which is that money is the most easy to get abundant resource in the world. Time, not so much. Okay. It's not, in fact, my wealthiest client died at an age where I am right now. And so when I, when I started thinking about that, I was like, well, if what's holding you back is cost, again, that's not a hard thing to, to replace. What I said earlier, there's a lot of great successful people had to file for bankruptcy numerous times. Um, they just didn't let it stop you. You know, we don't have debtors prisons anymore. So you can, you can, you know, get over that. It's not the worst thing that that can happen. I mean, don't get me wrong. You want to avoid it by by all. But so that's kind of how I've looked at it. Um, I just don't, I guess I don't value that all that much. I'm not particularly impressed by affluence. I have it, but I live a rather modest lifestyle compared to others that have comparable incomes to me. Uh, because it's just not in, in it's just not something that that I, I need. So to me, yeah, if I need to make up money, fine. Investment tanks, okay. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting my whole net worth on something. But again, maybe you're wired this way. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm glad that I am. I'm glad that I didn't have to go through training to become less risk adverse in, in in some areas. Now, obviously in others I am because I said earlier I was a lousy dater. Why? Because I wasn't willing to take the risk of being told no, which is silly. I mean, that's not nearly as painful as losing 50 grand. Um, so we all have it. But again, I just never viewed money as something to be um, all that, you know, it didn't worry me that much. You know, I was like, all right. At that time, I was young enough that any hole that I dug, I could get out of. And, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun looking at my negative net worth for those early years. But was it worth it? Oh, heck yeah. Totally worth it. That's really interesting because it, it didn't worry you that if you lost it because you knew you could get hold of more. And I had So time. you have that mindset that it's just there and it's available to you. 
So that tells me you don't have a scarcity mindset around money because you just think, well, if I lose it, then I'm always going to be able to get some more because there is so much of it. Exactly. That's exactly right. Now, it is kind of funny because like as a financial advisor, you know, and you 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 kind of have a your skill set is very specialized. And, you know, I, I, I laugh now. Crap, if I didn't do this, who would hire me? Because what, what else could I really do? You know? I don't let it worry me. Um, and you can look if you're if you're looking for justification to that. I mean, the Bible is is full of that where it says, you know, the birds don't particularly worry about where their next meal is coming from. Now, again, that doesn't mean that you live an irresponsible life. But what it does mean is that, you know, you shouldn't dwell on the negative to the point where it immobilizes you, it paralyzes you. You, you, you just shouldn't. If, if, you, if you do, well, then don't complain about the outcome that you have. All right. Because it's going to be necessary for you to stick your neck out there and take some chances. But that's only if you want. There are plenty of people who would rate security as their most important value. I do not. Mine would be freedom. And then I know the only way I'm going to have freedom is to is to stick my neck out and try new things because security, it's important to a certain extent, but it's it's not the thing that gets me up. It gets me out of bed every day is what new adventure, what new thing can I do today? And, you know, I'm now at the point in my life where I have the time and resources to travel and do those other things. I didn't I didn't leave the country until I was 40. So there's a lot of chances now to take the time I have left and see as much of it as I can. So you just have there's a real part of me that almost wants to say, look, you're either born this way or you're not. And I don't want to do that. But I've had some real struggles trying to convince people that they should look at things a little bit differently, and they don't. And then I start to think, well, maybe life, everything is Freudian. Maybe there was something in your in your youth that, you know, and we, you and I have talked a lot about that. Yes, uh, the, the limiting the, beliefs we form around money right. and scarcity. But the good news you. is you're very good at helping people exor- exorcise those. Whereas, um, like I said, that's why I needed you to teach mindset, because I was like, dude, get over it. <laughs> so what would you say to those people who are listening in who do have a scarcity mindset, who, who yeah. are worried they're never going to have enough money, that they're going to run out, yeah. that risk-taking is you know, going to make them lose all their money? What would you say to people who have that type of thinking? Because this really holds financial advisors back in a big way. Yeah, well, fear is a natural thing. Um, and it, it probably speaks to our survival mechanism as, as humans, you know, which is... Avoid pain, avoid pain, but and seek pleasure. But above all else, avoid pain. So I guess what I would suggest is that they first understand that, understand how their instincts are natural, and then get, again get back to this issue of why. I mean, to me, not doing it would have been far worse than doing it. Not trying to become self-employed and and being successful, that would be far more painful to me than still working a nine to five for a big corporation and just waiting till I reach pension age. So I guess that would be how I would suggest that they they motivate it. But I also am a big believer that not everybody is really particularly suited to be an entrepreneur. And it doesn't make them wrong or bad. It really doesn't. I think we've we've kind of, particularly here in the US, you know, we've always had this culture about success. And again, some of the most successful people financially had the absolute worst personal lives. And in the end of the day, we are all dust. 
So don't think that you have to do it. Don't view your life as a failure if your wife or, or your husband love you and your children love you and you have good friends. That is a successful life. But to the extent where you want more money or you know you just you want that affluent part of your life, you have to ask yourself, okay, what what happens if I don't do this? And if that's still tolerable, then okay. You are who you are. That's perfectly all right. I would much rather have you as a neighbor. If you're a good person and you're good to your spouse and you're good to your kids and, and whatever, I don't care about your, 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 your net worth. And, and frankly, as long as you're comfortable, neither should you. Because again, at the end, every billionaire, we're all dust. In fact, I watched something quite disturbing, but, but quite blatantly honest yesterday. There was a video a friend of mine sent me and it talked about in 200 years, no one will even know you existed. Everything you have will be gone, gone. Any physical item that you value, gone. Your ancestors will have no idea who you are. Do you ever think about your great-great-grandfather? I wouldn't even know his name. So keep that in mind as you go forward. But, you know, you got to just internalize what is truly important to you. To me, money was the byproduct of doing these other things. I never put money as the goal. The goal was run the business right, market successfully, et cetera. Uh, believe I could do it, you know, do a proper job. Money would be the byproduct of it. And it was. And that's not cliche. That that's I really get caught up more in the process. And then what comes and the really cool thing is the opportunities that come that you can't even imagine. You, you know, when you're sitting there going, okay, this is the, the business I want, you can't imagine the opportunities that suddenly come almost come out of nowhere because you're doing things the right way. I have several of them in my life that totally changed my life. And so to this day, people will say, well, that's the reason you're successful. And I say, true, but I had to present myself in a way for that opportunity to, to be offered to me. That's so the interesting are, they thing. Are, they yeah. are connected. They, they are. Because people will say, oh, but you were lucky. You were in the right place at the right time. Or, right. Or this oh, I, I get that. I had the opportunity to buy a larger practice than mine, and that definitely jump-started me. But I had to get to that point where this person would even recognize me as a candidate for that. And I'm super yes. grateful for that. And I took that to a new level. That definitely jump-started me. But there's absolutely no way. I mean, because this person knew me for at least five years before this opportunity, and there's absolutely no way that opportunity would present itself if I wasn't doing things. The way. And don't get me wrong. I would have achieved what I wanted, but what it did allow me to do is during those years when my son was young, I could be less working and more present with him. And so that made me a better dad. If I had to build it from scratch, that might've been one of those things. I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe I wouldn't still be married to the same person today. You know, Maybe he and I wouldn't be as tight as we are today. So I'm blessed for that, but I also worked to have that opportunity. And there's been two or three others that came up um, as a result of that. That's really, really, well, I think what you said is very, very important because it's not that we've been lucky or, you know, things just all fell into place. It's not the external stuff. It is the internal stuff. You are the cause of all the good stuff that's happened to you. And yeah. in the same way, you're the cause of all the bad stuff that's happened to you as well. Mm -hmm. And I think when people get that, they are the first and only cause that they make things happen in their lives by their attitude, that's when they take full responsibility. Because if we're waiting for things to fall into our lap and waiting for the external world to reward us or punish us, 
that is a really out of control, you know, random way of living your life. Well, it's very unrealistic. And to a certain extent, it's a misunderstanding of most success literature today. So I'm a huge believer in the power of the subconscious mind. I'm a huge believer in visualization, but it's not a genie in the bottle. So if you take like the book, The Secret, for example, which gets a lot of criticism at its heart, it's basically telling you that if you believe in what you can do, that's a big step towards success. But the reality is that I can't believe the sun's going to suddenly rise in the West. I can't change physics, right? But what I can do is knowing it's going to rise in the East and knowing I have to get up at a certain time to make things happen, I can do that. And so what I find is that people too often are looking for this magical thing to suddenly appear and they're missing they're missing the big the picture. You've got to work, you've got to put in the effort, but you have to really believe that you can do it. And, and, and if you can find, as I did, where did I get that belief? By seeing other people who were less talented in my mind, I'm not being negative, but they they were, and they were super successful. And that was enough for me. If they can do it, I can do it. Um, which, you know, is is really true for anything. When I when I see athletes, boy, you really know who the ones are going to be successful because they have it up here. When Tiger Woods came on the golf scene and he was being criticized by his his counterparts as being a little too cocky. And a very famous interview with Curtis Strange, where he's basically asking a rookie Tiger, what's a good year? And Tiger's defining it all in wins and all that. And, and Curtis is like, can't believe someone's thinking this way. And he's like, you'll learn, is what Curtis said. Well, Curtis learned, because Tiger's mindset was, if I'm coming here, I'm coming here to win. And he had won at every level. He wasn't being cocky, he just totally believed himself. And when you see that, you know that person's going to be successful. Doesn't necessarily have to be the most talented person. In his case, he had both. He had the talent and the mindset, which is why he was able to do what he did. Jack Nichols had that too. And after all the setbacks he's faced, he comes back again and again. That shows true grit, true determination, discipline, self-belief. There is a huge, huge lesson we can learn. And I think sometimes we criticize people like that because it makes us feel less than. I don't have that. I feel weak well, in that area. And we, and we and we relish in their in their flaws, which is oh, sad. We love that, don't we? Because I'm just like, okay, people, we all have our flaws. And you know, when I hear people be critical, look, few men are as virtuous as women when it comes to relationships. And I'm like, look, if you had the opportunities those guys had, just be short to judge. You know, maybe be glad that you didn't have his success because you've got to handle it. So it's all a mixed bag. And we're all dust in the end, but you got to believe that you can do it. And my my comfort comes and I, I've seen examples. I, again, I'm also a big believer in modeling. You, find, you see someone who has your success, do it exactly the same way they did it. And chances are you're going to get similar success. Maybe not exact. You actually may get more success. But, you know, every great idea has already been thought of. You know, Mark Twain said that. He's like, it's just a kaleidoscope, basically. We're just turning... You know, ideas around like a kaleidoscope, uh, different glass colors. Uh, in the end, all the ideas that have ever been created uh, have been thought of already out there. And it's just a matter of you seeing them and applying them to yourself. Yeah. And that's what you said. This is how you built your your business of um, working with Follow, financial advisors. With, yeah. You take the best of everything you've learned. You put it into yeah. a system that works. You teach other people how to use that system. It is out there, but it's it's we have to have the clarity to be able to see what works and what doesn't work by testing all out. And then you present it to others as this works. You have to do it and this works, which brings yeah. us on. 
to um, something which I know you're very, very, very good at, which many financial advisors don't do. This is one thing that you do that many people don't do is that you implement. You see something, you, you know, maybe learn something new from a training and you go ahead and you put it together and you test it out. Now, implementation, procrastination, the other side of it, this is a big thing that holds financial advisors back. What is your top tip in terms of implementing that you can share with our audience today to help them to get past that inertia of I'll do it tomorrow? Well, the the only solution is to pay for someone to do it for you. If you're not going to implement it, whatever that is, there's do it yourself and there's done for you. And if you pay to have someone do it, like for, I'll give you an example. So one of the systems that we work with the financial advisors to do is um, we, we, we get them to write a book. Now, when I first launched that, I just told them, go write a book. <laughs> you can imagine how successful that was, right? So then finally I said, fine, I'm raising the price of this program and we're going to write the book for you, done for you, right? So now the amount of time and effort they have to put in for the whole project, you know, and we had automation, a lot of other stuff. You know, now their involvement's maybe 10%, whereas when I first launched the program, it was 100%. They're going to have to do everything. And so I remember bringing in the first group that I had um, done. There was like 10 of them. And I brought them back to Cincinnati and I kind of yelled at them because they weren't implementing. But then I realized it's not, they're no different than anybody else. Again, the world is made up of, of a small percentage of doers. If you are one of them, that's awesome. You're going to be successful, okay? Now, you can be successful even if you're not a doer, all right? I don't cut my grass. Somebody else cuts it. Um, A lot of things I don't do. I I wouldn't tell you how to change oil, right? So if you want to overcome that, that's one way. But you got to want it. If you don't want it, again, I'm the type of person who says, all right, maybe that's just not who you are. And that's okay. That's okay. Don't complain about it. Don't be jealous of the ones who are. You know, you, you look at you look at an Olympic athlete and you see them get the medal and all the accolades that come. But what you don't see is the years and hours of sacrifice that they put in, the training. All we see is the end result. If you're not willing to do what they're doing, that's okay. Again, your spouse will love you. Children will love you, but you've got to really want it. But I think the easiest, and I only work with established financial advisors. And the reason for that is because I know they have the, the money to, to pay to get it done for them. And so that's kind of how we, we've taken it. That doesn't help everybody. So if we don't have the financial reason, fine, then, then you've got, you just, you've got to want it. And if you don't want, then I got news for you. You're in the wrong profession. You, you find something else that's out there because if you're not passionate about it, you, you Chance of you being successful, I know. Just there's so much against you. There's a correlation, Once, isn't it, about amount of motivation yeah. and the success you're going to yeah. have. I mean, it's 2023. You don't have to work at a mine anymore. You know, you don't have to do what your dad did. We don't live in a caste system. You can do whatever you want to do. And uh, you know, and again, I can only speak to American culture, but you know, my father had everything against him. Everything against them, ethnicity, location, language, et cetera, overcame it all because he believed he could do it. And, you know, so, I mean, there are parts of the world where, yeah, I, I know the deck is seriously stacked against you. And that's why they go to great lengths to get out of those parts of the world. But, you know, most of Europe, 
the United States, obviously, Canada, et cetera, Australia. These are great places and you have all these opportunities, but you got to want it. And you have to, again, get back to this thing about, okay, if I don't do this, what's, what's the, I mean, take that mental exercise and yes. see yourself, you know, again, these are things that you do with people, but, but see yourself in that future. If it's not what you want and say, okay, there's my motivation, you know, that, you know, that's why I'm going to do this. This is why I'm going to implement this. Um, yes, but yeah, we get a lot of, a lot of advisors chase shiny objects. So when I work with them it, at this point in the game, it's, I try to just a discourage shiny objects, but then secondly, where there is one, let's make sure it's probably done for you unless you are an implementer. Some people are, but most are not, which is why I have the business I have on the side because we, we help people who are not implementers, which is a lot of people. So, And it's the doers who rule the world. It is. Now, again, doesn't make them better, but that is why, you know, Atlas Shrugged was a great book for many reasons. And that's one of the things she tried to point out was 20% is holding up 80%. And if you want to really make life bad for the 20%, don't be upset when they leave. We see that a lot in the U.S. When, uh, like Bezos is leaving one state and moving his personal residency to another. Why? Because Washington just made it not good anymore. Mm. He's moving to Florida. So that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's been amazing, amazing. But before Always. we finish, I'd love to know how can our listeners, our viewers yeah. find about find out more about you and the amazing work you do. And I know Dan does amazing work because I've been on the inside of it. He's got an amazing team. He walks his talk. He is phenomenally successful and he he puts together amazing systems that actually work. And as he yeah. said, if you don't want to do it, He's got team who will do it for you. So how do they find out more about that? Yeah, I think the best way is just go to dancapril.com, D-A-N-C-U-P-R-I-L-L. And what that will do is you can sign up to receive my almost daily email. And as you get that email throughout that time, you're going to get offered links to our various websites, our various programs, et cetera. But each email has a business lesson behind it. And so I think that's a good non-threading way. Um, if you do enjoy podcasts, uh, the Profitable Advisor podcast is our podcast. Nina's been on it. Nina will be on it again shortly. And so you can check us out there as well. Wonderful. And for everyone who's been listening and watching, I hope you've got a ton of value from this. Thank you for your company. Until next time, bye-bye for now. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Wealthy Advisor Mindset. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform to get notifications on upcoming episodes. If this episode made you think of someone who you think would benefit from listening to it, then go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends and colleagues. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description. If you are a financial advisor who is struggling to grow your AUM and profits while creating a great work-life balance and you know it's because your mindset is stopping you or you have a specific challenge in mind that you would love Nina's feedback on, go to chatswithnina.org and grab a time that works best for you. We'd love to see if we can help you. Once again, it's chatswithnina.org. We will see you in the next episode.